Chapter 31, Part 1 of the Commentaries on the Laws of England by William Blackstone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Roy Haynes. Of Title by Bankruptcy, Part 1. The preceding chapter, having treated pretty largely of the acquisition of personal property by several commercial methods, we from thence shall easily be led to take into our present consideration a tenth method of transferring property, which is that of 10. Bankruptcy, a title which we before lightly touched upon, so far as it related to the transfer of the real estate of a bankrupt. At present, we are to treat of it more minutely, as it principally relates to the disposition of chattels in which the property of persons concerned in trade more usually consists than in lands or tenements. Let us therefore, first of all, consider 1. Who may become a bankrupt? 2. What acts make a bankrupt? 3. The proceedings on a commission of bankrupt and 4. In what manner an estate of goods and chattels may be transferred by bankruptcy? 1. Who may become a bankrupt? A bankrupt was before defined to be a trader who secrets himself or does certain other acts tending to defraud his creditors. He was formerly considered merely in the light of a criminal or offender, and in this spirit we are told by Sir Edward Coke that we have fetched as well the name as the wickedness of bankrupts from foreign nations. But at present, the laws of bankruptcy are considered as laws calculated for the benefit of trade, and founded on the principles of humanity as well as justice, and to that end they confer some privileges, not only on the creditors, but also on the bankrupt or debtor himself. On the creditors, by compelling the bankrupt to give up all of his effects to their use, without any fraudulent concealment, on the debtor, by examining him from the rigor of the general law, whereby his person might be confined at the discretion of his creditor, though in reality he has nothing to satisfy the debt, whereas the law of bankrupts, taking into consideration the sudden and unavoidable accidents to which men in trade are liable, has given them the liberty of their persons, and some pecuniary emoluments, upon condition they surrender up their whole estate to be divided among their creditors. In this respect, our legislature seems to have attended to the example of the Roman law. I mean not the terrible law of the Twelve Tables, whereby the creditors might cut the debtor's body into pieces and each of them take his proportionable share, if indeed that law, de debitore in parte secando, is to be understood in so very butcherly a light, which many learned men have with reason doubted. Nor do I mean those less inhuman laws, if they may be called so, as their meaning is indisputably certain of imprisoning the debtor's person in chains, subjecting him to stripes and hard labor, at the mercy of his rigid creditor, and sometimes selling him, his wife, and children to perpetual foreign slavery, trans Tiberium, an oppression which produced so many popular insurrections and secessions to the mons facer. 
but I mean the law of cession, introduced by the Christian emperors, whereby, if a debtor ceded or yielded up all his fortune to his creditors, he was secured from being dragged to a jail, omne quoco corpale crociatu se moto. For, as the emperor justly observes, in humanum eret spoliatum fortune suis in solidum damnari, thus far was just and reasonable, but, as the departing from one extreme is apt to produce its opposite, we find it afterwards enacted, that if the debtor, by any unforeseen accident, was reduced to low circumstances, and would swear that he had not sufficient left to pay his debts, he should not be compelled to cede or give up even that which he had in his possession, a law which under a false notion of humanity seems to be fertile of perjury, injustice, and absurdity. The laws of England, more wisely, have steered in the middle between both extremes, providing at once against the inhumanity of the creditor, who is not suffered to continue an honest bankrupt after his effects are delivered up, and at the same time taking care that all his just debts shall be paid so far as the effects will extend. But still they are cautious of encouraging prodigality and extravagance by this indulgence to debtors, and therefore they allow the benefit of the laws of bankruptcy to none but actual traders, since that set of men are, generally speaking, the only persons liable to accidental losses to an inability of paying their debts without any fault of their own. If persons in other situations of life run in debt without the power of payment, they must take the consequences of their own indiscretion, even though they meet with sudden accidents that may reduce their fortunes. For the law holds it to be an unjustifiable practice for any person but a trader to encumber himself with debts of any considerable value. If a gentleman, or one in a liberal profession, at the time of contracting his debts, has a sufficient fund to pay them, the delay of payment is a species of dishonesty, and a temporary injustice to his creditor, and, if at such time he has no sufficient fund, the dishonesty and injustice is the greater. He cannot therefore murmur if he suffers the punishment which he has voluntarily drawn upon himself. But in mercantile transactions, the case is far otherwise. Trade cannot be carried on without mutual credit on both sides. The contracting of debts is therefore here not only justifiable, but necessary. And if by accidental calamities, as by the loss of a ship in a tempest, the failure of brother traders, or by the non-payment of persons out of trade, a merchant or trader becomes incapable of discharging his own debts, it is his misfortune and not his fault. To the misfortunes, therefore, of debtors, the law has given a compassionate remedy, but denied it to their faults, since, at the same time, it provides for the security of commerce by enacting that every considerable trader may be declared a bankrupt for the benefit of his creditors as well as himself, it has also to discourage extravagance declared, that no one shall be capable of being made a bankrupt but only a trader, nor capable of receiving the full benefit of the statutes but only an industrious trader. The first statute made concerning any English bankrupts was 34 Henry VIII C4, 
when trade began first to be properly cultivated in England, which has been almost totally altered by the statute 13 Elizabeth C7, whereby bankruptcy is confined to such persons only as have used the trade of merchandise in gross or by retail, by way of bargaining, exchange, rechange, bartering, chevisance, or otherwise, or have sought their living by buying and selling. And by statute 21 Jacobin 1 C19, persons using the trade or profession of a scrivener, receiving other men's monies and estates into their trust and custody, are also made liable to the statutes of bankruptcy. And the benefits, as well as the penal parts of the law, are extended as well to aliens and denizens as to natural-born subjects, being intended entirely for the protection of trade, in which aliens are often as deeply concerned as natives. By many subsequent statutes, but lastly, by the statute of 5 George II, C30, bankers, brokers, and factors are declared liable to the statutes of bankruptcy, and this upon the same reason that scriveners are included by the statute of James I, viz. for the relief of their creditors, whom they have otherwise more opportunities of defrauding than any other set of dealers, and they are properly to be looked upon as traders since they make merchandise of money, in the same manner as other merchants do of goods and other movable chattels. By the same act, no farmer, grazer, or drover shall, as such, be liable to be deemed a bankrupt. For, though they buy and sell corn and hay and beasts in the course of the husbandry, yet trade is not their principal, but only a collateral object. Their chief concern being to manure and till the ground and make the best advantage of its produce. And besides, subjecting them to the laws of bankruptcy might be a means of defeating their landlords of the security which the law has given them above all others, for the payment of their reserved rents. Wherefore also, upon a similar reason, the receiver of the king's taxes is not capable, as such, of being a bankrupt lest the king should be defeated of those extensive remedies against his debtors which are put into his hands by the prerogative. By the same statute, no person shall have a commission of bankrupt awarded against him, unless at the petition of some one creditor to whom he owes a hundred pounds, or of two to whom he is indebted a hundred and fifty pounds, or of more to whom altogether he is indebted two hundred pounds. For the law does not look upon persons whose debts amount to less to be traders considerable enough either to enjoy the benefit of the statutes themselves or to entitle the creditors for the benefit of public commerce to demand distribution of their effects. In the interpretation of these several statutes, it hath been held that buying only or selling only will not qualify a man to be a bankrupt but it must be both buying and selling, and also getting a livelihood by it. As, by exercising the calling of a merchant, a grocer, a mercer, or, in one general word, a chapman, who is one that buys and sells anything. But no handicraft occupation, where nothing is bought and sold, 
and therefore an extensive credit for the stock in trade is not necessary to be had, will make a man a regular bankrupt, as that of a husbandman, a gardener, and the like, who are paid for their work and labor. Also, an innkeeper cannot, as such, be a bankrupt, for his gain or livelihood does not arise from buying and selling in the way of merchandise, but greatly from the use of his rooms and furniture, his attendants, and the like. And though he may buy corn and victuals to sell again at a profit, yet that no more makes him a trader than a schoolmaster or other person is that keeps a boarding house and makes considerable gains by buying and selling what he spends in the house, and such a one is clearly not within the statutes. But where persons buy goods and make them into saleable commodities, as shoemakers, smiths, and the like. Here, though part of the gain is by bodily labor, and not by buying and selling, yet they are within the statutes of bankrupts, for the labor is only in melioration of the commodity, and rendering it more fit for sale. One single act of buying and selling will not make a man a trader, but a repeated practice and profit by it. Buying and selling bank stock or other government securities will not make a man a bankrupt, they not being goods, wares, or merchandise within the intent of the statute by which a profit may be fairly made. Neither will buying and selling under particular restraints or for other particular purposes, as if a commissioner of the Navy uses to buy victuals for the fleet and dispose of the surplus and refuse, he is not thereby made a trader within the statutes. An infant, though a trader, cannot be made a bankrupt, for an infant can own nothing but for necessaries, and the statutes of bankruptcy create no new debts, but only give a speedier and more effectual remedy for recovering such as were before due, and no person can be made a bankrupt for debts which he is not liable at law to pay. But a femme covert in London, being a sole trader according to the custom, is liable to a commission of bankrupt. 2. Having thus considered who may and who may not be made a bankrupt, we are to inquire secondly by what acts a man may become a bankrupt. A bankrupt is a trader who secrets himself or does certain other acts tending to defraud his creditors. We have hitherto been employed in explaining the former part of this description, a trader. Let us now attend to the latter, who secrets himself, or does certain other acts tending to defraud his creditors. And, in general, whenever such a trader, as is before described, hath endeavored to avoid his creditors or evade their just demands, this hath been declared by the legislature to be an act of bankruptcy, upon which a commission may be sued out. For in this extrajudicial method of proceeding, which is allowed merely for the benefit of commerce, the law is extremely watchful to detect a man whose circumstances are declining in the first instance, or at least as early as possible, that the creditors may receive as large a proportion of their debts as may be, and that a man may not go on wantonly wasting his substance and then claim the benefit of the statutes when he has nothing left to distribute. To learn what the particular acts of bankruptcy are, which render a man a bankrupt, we must consult the several statutes 
and the resolutions formed by the courts thereon. Among these may therefore be reckoned 1. Departing from the realm whereby a man withdraws himself from the jurisdiction and coercion of the law with intent to defraud his creditors. 2. Departing from his own house with the intent to secret himself and avoid his creditors. 3. Keeping in his own house, privately, so as not to be seen or spoken with by his creditors, except for just and necessary cause, which is likewise construed to be an intention to defraud his creditors by avoiding the process of the law. 4. Procuring or suffering himself willingly to be arrested, or outlawed, or imprisoned, without just and lawful cause, which is likewise deemed an attempt to defraud his creditors. 5. Procuring his money, goods, chattels, and effects to be attached or sequestered by any legal process, which is another plain and direct endeavor to disappoint his creditors of their security. 6. Making any fraudulent conveyance to a friend or secret trustee of his lands, tenements, goods, or chattels, which is an act of the same suspicious nature with the last. 7. Procuring any protection, not being himself privileged by Parliament, in order to screen his person from arrests, which also is an endeavor to elude the justice of the law. 8. Endeavoring or desiring, by any petition to the king, or bill exhibited in any of the king's courts against any creditors, to compel them to take less than their just debts, or to procrastinate the time of payment originally contracted for, which are an acknowledgment of either his poverty or his knavery. 9. Lying in prison for two months or more upon arrest or other detention for debt, without finding bail in order to obtain his liberty, or the inability to procure bail argues a strong deficiency in his credit, owing either to his suspected poverty or ill character, and his neglect to do it, if able, can arise only from a fraudulent intention, in either of which cases it is high time for his creditors to look to themselves and compel the distribution of his effects. 10. Escaping from prison after an arrest for a just debt of £100 or upwards. For no man would break prison that was able and desirous to procure bail, which brings it within the reason of the last case. 11. Neglecting to make satisfaction for any just debt to the amount of £100 within two months after service of legal process for such debt, upon any trader having privilege of Parliament. These are the several acts of bankruptcy expressly defined by the statutes relating to this title, which, being so numerous, and the whole law of bankrupts being an innovation on the common law, our courts of justice have been tender of extending or multiplying acts of bankruptcy by any construction or implication. And therefore, Sir John Holt held that a man's removing his goods privately to prevent their being seized in execution was no act of bankruptcy. For the statutes mention only fraudulent gifts to third persons and procuring them to be seized by sham process in order to defraud creditors. But this, Though a palpable fraud, yet falling within neither of those cases cannot be adjudged an act of bankruptcy. So also, it has been determined expressly that a banker's stopping or refusing payment is no act of bankruptcy, 
for it is not within the description of any of these statutes, and there may be good reasons for his so doing as suspicion of forgery and the like. And if, in the consequence of such refusal, he is arrested and puts in bail, still it is no act of bankruptcy. For if he goes to prison and lies there two months, then, and not before, is he become a bankrupt. End of chapter 31, part 1